0: Welcome to the Don't Break a Leg Podcast. I'm Danielle Parzanigan, a dancer and physical therapist specializing in the treatment of performing artists in Houston, Texas.
1: And I'm Jake Manley, an athletic trainer and physical therapist at Pro PT in Winchester, Virginia. I lift weights, and the only time I dance is if I've had a couple beers at a wedding. Though we come from such different backgrounds, we're both incredibly passionate about the performing arts.
0: We hope to educate you on a variety of topics about the health and wellness of performing artists to optimize your performance, longevity, and success.
1: Welcome to the show. It, I just want to give you a real quick word from our sponsors. Pro, the company that I work for, which is a pretty awesome company if I may say so myself, is now offering virtual health and wellness coaching to help facilitate you staying active and achieving your goals. You guys can speak one-on-one with me, a licensed physical therapist, athletic trainer, and strength coach um, to discuss training, injury, rehab, and learn more about how you can stay accountable, take back control, and optimize your health and fitness even during this, this weird time. Our approach is evidence-based, comprehensive, and focuses entirely on you. One-time consultations, as well as long-term programs are available. Regardless of what your specific needs are, we've got you covered. For more information, go ahead and contact me directly. My info will be in the description.
2: What's up, guys? We're doing a podcast. Yes! Ah! Na-na-na-na. All right, let's talk. Let's talk dance and PT, right? So
1: don't worry, I'm gonna leave all of that in.
2: I love it. (laughs) Add some pump up. Uh, For those who don't see, I'm, I'm, I'm the interviewee, but right now, Jacob's just rubbing his eyes, trying to stay awake. I swear Danielle needs somebody to slap her face every five minutes so she doesn't fall asleep. I feel like we're just, it's from being indoors this whole time. I have this random surge of energy. I don't know what's happening here, But it's great, so let's do
0: this. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Don't Break a Leg podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Jenna Cantor about leadership in dance medicine. Dr. Jenna Cantor has her own mobile practice called Jenna Cantor Physical Therapy, where she treats singers, actors, and dancers. She helps students and professional physical therapists who want to treat dancers but don't know where to start through her online dance PT program. She is very active in the APTA and runs Fairytale Physical Therapy, which brings musical theater shows to to children in hospitals while teaching choreography that is secretly imposed with therapeutic exercises. So, and welcome, Jenna, and also we have Jake here, of course.
1: Jenna, I think we've been Facebook friends for a while, but I've never actually spoken to you so i'm really excited for this
0: this is
2: really nice it's a new friend and we need friends right now so this is a joy
1: it's like the podcast is just going to be like one long virtual hug
2: it is and I'm, and if anybody needs a hug right now please feel our hug coming your way Absolutely. <laughs>
1: definitely all right so jenna Let's can we can you tell us a little bit more about I guess your story getting into the world of physical therapy and, and dance PT?
2: Oh Yes. Talk about myself. Well, I'm a performer and a physical therapist, so I hate talking about myself. I hate being in the spotlight. Um, <laughs> okay, so I actually, this was a nightmare come true. I never wanted to be a physical therapist. So for me, when I came into school, uh, at my, my graduate school, I really went in almost like hiding under the blankets of social media because I was very ashamed that I was in school for physical therapy. I didn't want other performers to know because it would look like I had quit. I had failed something. So I was entering school as a failure. What really caused me to go in that direction was some traumatic stuff in my life, which unfortunately we all have different things that we struggled with, which I'm going to be very open about. So the first thing, was that I have a history of sexual abuse and it happened to me once right before my bat mitzvah and then the second time was a boy I had a crush on in New York both times was when I was asleep both times I was not intoxicated or anything um so it was like boogeyman was alive my way of dealing with it was ignoring it this eventually turned into an eating disorder the eating disorder was bulimia where I was using laxatives fortunately that only lasted less than a year Um, and close to the end of the year is when I um, realized through therapy I said I think it might be be because of this sexual abuse and like the food issue just disappeared it was crazy it just like stopped Um, so, so the food issue disappeared I just had to then go from that point of like normalizing food and and in that journey, I could not, as a singer, actor, dancer, because I was a professional musical theater performer, I could not, between gigs, work in the food industry. So that became a bit of a problem, a bit of a challenge. And I was down, was in a real low place. In that At that point, um, my parents were really pushing me to leave the musical theater life and get into something where they don't have to worry about me and all my finances So my parents were saying that they wanted me to have a different life because there was not a lot of money in what I was doing. They were always worried about that. I had no man in sight. (laughs) And... And so they were pushing to go back to school. So at first, my first year, I was—I actually went to Baruch College, and I was doing marketing because you would do that as a performer anyway. And I had never—I didn't really get into the marketing course. I just got the first year done, but it was cool. I got some courses in there that are like amazing, like public speaking. I would have never taken a course in public speaking. That was awesome. So I got to do that during that time. Also during that time, I learned that the marketing industry is still dominated by men so what this means is i would not really get the necessarily the creative jobs that i would be dreaming of because it's dominated by men it's just the truth and so my parents were actually pushing for me to go into physical therapy i went and i observed and i thought you know what nothing's going to replace my love for the stage and performing nothing I, i said but this looks pretty good I'm not passionate about it I said but they're not stuck behind a desk you get you're obsessed about health in some way and you're like moving I said okay I can do this okay so I applied to a bunch of places and I, I was I was a fortunate case of getting into um, all the places I applied to. And I think that had to do with age and life experience. Otherwise, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I did get good grades in getting all those prereqs done. But my grades before that were not that good. I looked back, I didn't even realize I was a dance and drama major in my undergrad. Ooh, I have some C's in there. I mean, I made it through.
1: Ooh, hey, C's get cool degrees. Stuff.
2: C's get degrees. They, they absolutely do. And, so,
1: and I also tell, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Oh,
2: you're great. You're great.
1: I, I also tell everyone in PT school that's like struggling with grades, my thing is always, what do you call the person who graduates last in their class in PT school?
0: Graduated. Yeah,
1: I'm a physical therapist. Yeah. No, no one cares. Like as long as you, yeah. Yeah. As long as you're still in the program, it doesn't really matter.
2: It does. It no. It just. It's not. Doesn't really. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So then, when I went to PT school, I was just quiet about that. Um, Not necessarily quiet. Yet, I'm not a quiet human. And then, while I was in PT school, I met my friend Katie a classmate and we created fairy tale physical therapy, which is where we bring musical theater shows to children in hospitals and teach choreography that's secretly composed of therapeutic exercises. I'm actually not sharing that part what you already like said in my bio I'm not to just boast about it again I'm actually sharing it because there's a point I didn't understand the value of giving until I started doing that I went and started that selfishly because I needed to perform somehow because it literally is the air I breathe and so while doing that and being in front of the kids I realized how it was not about me at all and it like changed my life it absolutely changed my life just the art of giving is so much better than receiving. it's ridiculous. And once you catch that bug it's like there's no turning back. life is just so much better. So that was a huge change for me, me a huge 180. I still I still do perform and everything I continued after graduating from school, but I, I spent a lot of time giving um, which, uh, to a point to agree that might be a little too much. I need to balance out sometimes, but, but I just, I love it. So it's so fulfilling. It is so fulfilling those kids. I've heart them so much. So I actually was not the top of my class. I also wasn't the lowest in my class, but I did stand out and I had a dream of working with performers, but the School was not supportive of me. They saw my energy and they wanted to label me their own way and push me in this direction of working with pediatrics. Now, I do get that. I do get that like kind of thing, but you can't tell someone where they're going to live their lives and I also just learned very quickly these were not safe people to speak to when you open up to someone when you cry to someone like it wasn't a conversation between myself and that human that was a conversation that was going to be shared with the rest of the staff and that's not mentorship that's not cool and a lot of people deal with that some people just don't even open up they're like I know not to trust it but then you never have that mentorship which is just so key in life and I was very aware that I had not, did not have that support and I could see that support happening with other students in the, in the class. And I was like, okay, I'm just not that person. I gave some little hints and little testers trying to see if I could get support from some teachers because I really did want that mentorship. I, I wanted it bad. And, but I, I saw very quickly. I was like, okay, that's I can see, literally see the difference between when they are supporting someone fully and then when they're not the doors they open for some the doors they don't open to others and i'm here to tell you students it does not matter if you have zilch people if you have everybody thinking you are a joke and in your school that's fine that's one cohort go on be a badass and pursue what the hell you want to pursue so i did And, and uh, I have carved out the best freaking life right now we're in COVID. I literally just had a a meltdown right before this and had to like pull myself together like the actress I am for this because I just had another patient where uh, we're doing telehealth and we realized that maybe physical therapy right now telehealth specifically is not good for her right now. Um, She's flaring up, there's a lot of things we're unable to do um, via telehealth. I wouldn't say this for all patients, but in this particular case, and and it's getting her frustrated, so we might need to take a break. I'm gonna take yet another pay cut, and I'm just like, I had it dawned on me during this COVID virus. I was like, my meltdown was the realization that I might have to apply for unemployment as a practice owner. But you know what, guys? I'm not alone in this. There are ups and downs in life all the freaking time. So what do you do? Kick yourself and say, oh, I'm a failure and stop? No. Look at the room I'm even sitting in. If you guys don't know, I'm sitting in a room of Disney stuff. Disney has the biggest freaking failures all the time. I mean, his failures were not small. They were huge. They were huge. They were so much worse than what we are dealing with right now. I would I would challenge us. Please don't try to meet the challenge. I would tra- challenge all of us during COVID to fail as badly as Disney during this time. Uh, I think it'll be pretty hard to get there. I think some of us will get close. Some of us will, you know, but like the, the big challenge is, is how do you keep picking up your feet? I've, I, I mean, these things that we deal with in life uh, that can pull us down are the same types of obstacles delivered in different ways. So for me, I just know that as long as I keep pushing forward in the relationships that I can make after this, or even during this new way, new age of more online stuff, there's always a way to push forward. There's always a way to keep building those relationships and eventually things will change. Everybody's struggling right now. Anyway, slight side note, because I just tend to just say what is on my mind, which is both a curse and also a massive benefit regarding building that trust with my patients and people I meet. Um but it's but it's a thing going on. So that was essentially my journey going into my current hardship on how I got into working with these patients. I was fortunate to have a lot of connections in the musical theater industry, singles, actors, and uh, ironically, mostly dancers, which I wasn't expecting. And that's how this, the, the, it, it started with me. And it has been continuing.
1: Can you speak a little bit more about musical theater and maybe just some of the unique uh, dem- occupational demands that that fall in with that group? Because that's something that we haven't really spoken about on this podcast yet, and I think it would be very enlightening for a lot of people to to kind of learn more about the musical theater world.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're just a bunch of crazies. If you met another musical theater, you would go, oh, Jenna really fits in personality-wise with this population, and I do. Uh, That's why it just works. Why would I change myself? So... What, with this population of people, you have singers, actors, and dancers. I'm dumbing it down massively. Sometimes people play instruments as well on these stages. So if we're since I, I talk a lot about dance, I'm going to start with the dancers. These dancers, a lot of them also sing. So with that, a lot of dancers habitually don't have good breathing habits. So you could find, as a physical therapist, you're working on their breathing skills uh, as they are dancing how to use that so they're not just cutting off their air and hurting their vocal cords. So you'll be doing things to help them recover from vocal hoarseness from the things that you know of the body, how to use everything at once, and retraining that. That's of course in addition to all the other physical ailments. With the singer, the average singer and actor, they are overuse injuries because if they are doing a show, they're doing something over and over and over again. They have a system, including their quick changes to. how how they sit and where they sit to put on their makeup, what they do in the evenings. They have a whole system in order to keep their bodies at their prime for their shows in the evening. Their entire day revolves around the show at night. If you're talking about a Broadway performer, which is the um, small percentage of the musical theater community, they have that regular show and they deal with... Um, That repetitive, that higher likelihood of having those repetitive injuries. So many of them are in physical therapy. A lot of times they're in physical therapy when they're behind the stage on Broadway. It's pretty much putting out fires, not necessarily long term healing. They get more of that long term healing, but they leave that. The the theater and they actually go to the clinic. So that's something to be aware of. If that's something that might start irritating you that you're not actually getting them better. And and in some cases you might. But just in general, that that's going to be a big block, you know, for some people. They go, oh, that's not fulfilling for me. I know with regarding Broadway performers or working with performers where they are hired through the company. And you're treating them before the show. I know that's not for me because I want to perform. If I'm working for them, that means I'm not performing. I'm like, ah, daytime, daytime appointments for me. You know, maybe the occasional evening when nothing's going on, but no, 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 daytime, daytime. <laughs> so, so you have to figure out what works for you and your own schedule. So that's the dancers, and that's the the. Singers, actors, dancers. Um, dancers, of course, use their body more, the vocal stuff. And then if you bring in musicians at Wells, as well, sometimes so they did cabaret, cabaret years ago where they, they used performers who also played instruments. Oh gosh, there's so many where they played instruments. Once they played instruments as well. So there's gonna be a different kind of upper extremity, upper more ext- upper extremity injuries you'll see there. And I feel like that kind of is a quick general summarization. on on
1: possibilities are you predominantly working with them in in a true clinical setting or are you like backstage (sighs) and i'm
2: mobile i am mobile i travel to them right now i'm just telehealth Mm -hmm. Um, but i'm mobile so i travel to them so it can be anywhere it can be and it often is in their home i i have not done the backstage thing like i said because that doesn't work with my life that i want um there i do know other great practitioners who do that but that's just not for me yeah yeah,
1: I think I kind of misspoke earlier. We did have Megan Wise on, and she talked about Broadway stuff. Oh, she's so great. Yeah, she's she's awesome. But uh, I just wanted to get more, I guess, more of your perspective on the more uh, broad, I guess, category of musical theater in general. Because yeah, I feel like hers yeah. was very much niche to Broadway.
2: Oh, let me go. Outside of Broadway, oh yeah, yeah, I did not talk about that. Okay, so one because that that is where I do hit a lot of patients. Uh, duh. Uh, so the the outside of Broadway musical theater people are traveling to regional theaters for little stints of time and then coming back, or they are they are performing sometimes locally because they just want to be in this neighborhood before. If you're in New York or if you're in like a prime spot like Chicago, they're staying in that area uh, to just work their way up and. Then those are the people who are booking gigs. The largest majority of musical theater performers are stay are not booking gigs and they're creating things on their own. The largest majority of musical theater people don't have health insurance. So if you are treating something like Broadway, you are missing out on the majority of the profession that is struggling to get seen by a physical therapist. And that's what I attack all the time. Um, And that's something I continue to brainstorm um, and we can all continue brainstorming the people who don't have that coverage, don't treat themselves, they shake it off as much as they can. I've seen careers end. Way too prematurely on people who are insanely talented, insanely talented, uh, because they got hurt on a tour and they did not get seen right away. And it got delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And it ended up resulted in a permanent injury in their 20s. I mean, it's it's crazy the things that happen to these performers and ends their career way too soon, way too prematurely. So with that, telehealth does come into play with the in-person and then when they travel, because you can be that consistent person for them. Not all of them can afford you. So you are going to be weighing those times. It dep- and, and this is to each his own um, when you're going to either offer a cheaper program or even sometimes do a complimentary session to help them out. To help them out because they cannot afford anything except for food and their cell phone. So it's a, it's a, it's, um, a thing.
1: Now, are they predominantly for a lot of those regional shows, are they are they traveling a good bit of the year or do they stay in like one area for a couple months at a time?
2: So for a lot of regional theaters, it depends. Sometimes you're there just for a month. It's just a couple weeks rehearsal mm-hmm. and then a few weekends of shows. But it can be like two two months or even three months. It really just does depend on the contract. I can't give a general, yeah. uh, but but it, I hope that helps because mm-hmm. they just need that rehearsal time. I once worked at this ec- a union theater. I always stayed on union because I didn't want the opportunities to close. So when I went and worked for a union theater they we did 13 days of rehearsal not even a full two weeks and then we were open it was the fastest experience i ever had it was it it was a a quick one a real quick one and we learned i we learned everything oh my god it was a great show oh my god but so it just it just depends but i i know that's a a money saver for those theater Mm -hmm. companies yeah does that is that did that answer your question
1: yeah, no, that's super interesting. I I always find this stuff fascinating because, again, like my I don't while I do do a lot of stuff I said do do ha while while I'm very much involved in the performing arts I don't have as much of a background in like the musical theater uh, per se or the actual artistry of dance itself. Um, so I'm I just I'm always trying to and, and get better at understanding like the unique, uh, demands and of, of someone in that field. Um, so as far as like participation, like when you're on a show like that, how, how many hours a day are you rehearsing and performing as a, as a, as a performer?
2: So with the so we're looking at the people not on Broadway how many how many hours you're rehearsing so for that when you're at a regional theater because you're usually in the middle of nowhere so you're just rehearsing during the time that before to prep then you put up the show then depending on then you have a couple days off maybe one or two days off there are some theaters where they do a pickup rehearsal to just get everybody, like, you might just be sitting and talking through the lines. You might be up on your feet just marking through so everybody's got, okay, good, we're situation-aided. And, and there's different levels of people goofing off during that time, which it just depends on the theater. It depends on the group. It just it just depends. But other than that, then you're just doing the shows. So the daytimes are for you to do whatever you want. There are some performers, when they're at other places, they, they've worked at at other at restaurants or something if they if they need to make more money because they're getting paid so low
0: jenna you've made a huge impact in the dance and musical therapy world even just a couple of years out of school is there any way you could talk about how you've had the courage to go about doing that just making that huge switch from being a performer to a clinician and a leader already you know
2: can you talk um, about that oh, um so oh god there's so much imposter syndrome with that word leader. It's ridiculous. Oh, we no. all have it. No, but it's true though. It's so true. Here's the deal. I'm, I graduated 2018. We're not even fully through 2020. There's massive imposter syndrome. We know there are those uh, dickhead. Um, clinicians who criticize and judge me. We know they're out there and, and, and it's unfortunate. And I really had to like push through that knowledge. And then also of course my own inner demon in order to add to help other people. My big thing, cause I really was not planning on helping out other people student and professional clinicians with, with dancers, but there's such a need. It is not a gem that needs to be gray and hidden from other people. This is for all of us. And, and we still have a ways to go with building this community. And that's not, I mean, yes, I have a course that I'm selling as this. Yes, of course. But like, we need us to be a community as people who treat dancers. We need each other. That if you care that much about the dance community, then for anybody who is currently treating, no matter their years, we need to be non-judgmental, open, and loving to each other so we can help that person to help the patients, because it's all about the patients. So if you really think that I'm I might be horrible at my practice, why are you not on my speed dial? you have to think about that you have to think about like are you what are you delivering to other people and how that can hurt the other performers that you care about if we are really being caring about all these performers out there, we really need to be there for each other. So that's where the group came about. The group, I mean, the group was because somebody suggested it because I was asking questions, you know, just seeing what was going on in the doctor physical therapy group. And so, uh, I was saying, oh, what do you guys think of doing like a CSM meetup? And someone said, you should make a group. And I went to some of my mentors, Alex Engar and Will Boyd, and I, I, I said, I mean, should I? I already have one for musical theater people, which takes up a lot of my time, and I'm very bad at adding people in there, <laughs> but I, I do, I'm like, I'm coming, I'm getting on it, um, and that's doing extremely well with the commu- with building community, and it's it's magical, it's absolutely magical, that group, and I was like, oh my God, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and even now, we're still we're still figuring out our togetherness in that group. We're all very happy to be in there. But once it hits, once it really hits that trust amongst each other and that faith, that full faith that it's like a safe place, it will blow up. So it's really only in the beginning. Um, But I think that goal, it speaks to a lot of people because there are so many people that feel like either an outsider or they didn't know it was a possibility. And this like, oh, you have to wait a certain number of years. I'm here to tell you, man, that everybody lives a different life. Everybody has lived a different path. We are in the habit right now in Dance BT alone saying, oh, this was my path and this is my personality and this is who I am. So you have to do it exactly like that. Otherwise it won't work. That's BS. Look at me, I'm fucking swearing in this interview. Guess what? My patients identify with that. So hey, and also from on a personal note, like I have done it where I've died down like my personality, and honestly, I felt like I was living death. Just just being like, I'm a robot, I'm playing the game, and I could see other people were happy and I was miserable. So, you know, no matter what decision you make, whether it's being a leader or or being someone who's working for someone as long as you are happy, no matter what decision, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like what you're doing. So you know what? F them. Live your life. And that's just where my whole, I guess, leadership has has come. It's just I want everyone to just be themselves. I want everyone to have the career and the life that they want to live and understand how that is possible. You know?
1: I oh. One, I just want to say yes, queen. Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Two. It, you know, it's really interesting because, um, I, you know, I. I I echo a lot of those same sentiments because for me, I a lot of times feel like an outsider because I don't really have a performing arts background as much as a lot of other clinicians do. And it seems like the, you know, at least five, ten years ago, the general mood around the performing arts was if you were a clinician, you at one point in time had to have been a performing artist. You know, like you had to, you had to have gone through all those steps, you had to have been like a pro ballerina. Or, you know, done or you some you could Broadway. just
2: learn it. You could yeah. be taught it. Oh, whoa, what a concept. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> but, and, so, <laughs> and so, so, like, I mean, I did. I, I learned it. I went through and, you know, I, I tried to learn as much as I can to be more involved with that community. But it, it's, it seems like, as an outsider, it seems like it is something that's so unaccessible. But at the same time, like, the, the performing arts community as a whole, I feel like, is very receptive to other people and other ideas it may not seem like it at first but they're like probably one of the most welcoming and like just groups of people that i've ever been around from a like a clinical perspective Um, now sometimes sometimes you got to earn their trust a little bit you know what i mean you got to be able to walk the walk and
2: that's my problem that's my problem earning trust Mm -hmm. like that's my problem that's exactly it and i what what Earn their trust? No, we need to earn the patient's trust. Let's start that over again. Earn yeah, their no, trust? No. no, we need to earn. No, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. that's this elitism thing that happens, you know. And, and uh, I mean, I went in so starry-eyed, so dreamy, so excited. And I really, I, I have dealt with so many, like, sharp edges of the stick from other practitioners. I have been burned, which is why I'm approaching it the complete opposite way. I'm like, you want to be a dance PT? Awesome, great. Like, let's make you one. Either through mine, or uh, or I'll provide you, which I have in the dance physical therapist group. I have I put together all of the continuing education courses, and if I, there's anything missing, I'm just like, add it, add it. So we all know, we all know. There, it, there needs to be no proving. Be you. Like, I I think that's amazing that you made it through and, and, and they now accept you and, and, and it feels great, but I've just met you and, and you were accepted already. Like what, 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 what's the deal? You know?
1: (laughs) Well, I I, I guess, I guess the (laughs) the, I guess the point that I was trying to make is I feel like as um and Danielle and I have spoken about this to some extent on some of our other podcasts, but i think part of it is almost like a cultural identity of the dance world where there's a lot of like traditional ideas and values i think especially more with like ballet where it's there's there's some hesitancy on the dancer's part where if it's, if it's not a clinician that knows dance, they're a little bit skeptical because that means this person may take me away from dance, this person's gonna tell me to shut down, this could be the end of my collegiate dance career, this could be the end of my professional dance career. And th- I think there's a lot of those, um, I think that's kind of driving some of the hesitation as part of like the cultural identity surrounding dance. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But if you learn like some basic vocabulary and you're like, "Oh, I know what a plié is. I know what a battement is. Oh, pirouette." You know like you you have some some way of having some commonality where you can create a connection with that person, that that's what instantly just lets them accept you.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I very much agree. I think that's, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's great. I, I, I mean, it does obviously hit a sore point for me. And mm-hmm. I make a point to speak up on that because there's voices for everyone that need to be heard. And I think your voice is important, what you just said. And that that's just as well as mine, just as well as Danielle's. There's just so many perspectives. And I just really want everyone to know that they're not alone. I mean, ultimately, the worst voice is our own. The worst voice is our own. We're mm-hmm. the meanest to ourselves. Absolutely.
1: We, we are. So you, you had mentioned Will Boyd and Alex Engar, and they do – is it healthcare digital marketing?
2: I yes. Know... Yes, I'm in the mastermind with them. Okay. They're the ones who have guided me through creating this dance course. Like – well, not creating. I made the dance course, but they guided me through getting the audience together, um, making sure I'm listening, how to listen, how to, how to, you know, provide those solutions to exactly what people are asking about. I, but I'm just about to close out in my dance PT program. We have our last call on Monday, which we're all very sad about because we've gotten close. Um, and. A big thing, which I didn't originally have from doing it with other students, but the biggest request, they say rehab and everything, is therapeutic exercises. I was saying therapeutic exercises. I was like, okay. So for our last call, aside from us, because we usually, we do like a two-hour phone call me teaching them something, and then we hang out for like an hour, <laughs> just talking, just talking, it's wonderful, and and uh, so I'm just going to be doing therapeutic exercise, I'm like, all right, guys, get your clothes ready, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to be so sore, two hours of demonstrating things, it's going to be great, um, yeah. and explaining uh, progressions and regressions, and how it would go for specific dance or injuries, but... It's worth it. I forget what my point was, what the heck you asked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just kind of going off what you said, though, why why do you feel like therapeutic exercise is something um, that as a community of people kind of getting into the dance world, why do you feel like that's that's what they want? I mean, obviously they said that they want that, but do you think that there's a reason that they want to know more therapeutic exercise for dance specific stuff
2: what they say is they have they've been taught very basic stuff and not stuff that's going to take them all the way for the dancers so i mean that's not my that's just literally what people have said to me uh, over and over again um it's helpful when people just literally tell you so then you just know what okay cool let me let me let me help you then you're good and and right now we have this um we are in this really interesting time in life right now regarding regarding clinical opportunities and job opportunities altogether, I mean, I just opened up about my struggle. So I clearly ain't hiring anyone new for my practice with dancers. So with, with not with dancers, uh, with physical therapists. So that's, that's like, okay. Um, but with clinical rotations alone, If they do get that clinical rotation at a performing arts place, will they actually be seeing performing artists? Because all those performing artists employed and have that insurance to be seen. Uh, Also, the getting jobs, the people who are currently working at those places, are they laid off? So in our current state right now, with the decrease in clinical rotations and decrease in jobs, we right now are at new grounds we are at completely new ground. So things like my course, um, the courses on MedBridge, anything that that it, it's it's even more valuable than it was before. And students need an alternate way to specialize in dance, getting that education. It may not be the hands-on, which they will have to get no matter what, but getting the brain component, we can fill. We can fill that brain component. We can do that big time because that's, that's the hardest part to get past. Once they're on there, they could sit there and be like, oh yeah, right, you know, and start connecting things. Go back to the resources they have, that's great. Have people like me, have other people that they took the course with to call, that they feel comfortable calling, you know, which which happens and is great. So uh, we are in new unprecedented times right now where becoming a dance PT is is a different journey than what it was.
1: So let's, let's kind of, I want to talk about that a little bit more. So assuming that we kind of, you know, down the road, life gets back to quote-unquote normal, Hopefully. right? Because there, there is no normal, and obviously things are going to be different after we're kind of through this. Um, <clears throat> but if we get back to that point where we're doing clinical rotations and students who have interest in in learning more about the performing arts... Do you have any suggestions for them when they're reaching out to different clinics or different clinicians to try to establish an in-person rotation?
2: I literally teach – I taught about negotiations and – and these conversations last week. Oh, um, uh, yeah, good. there's a lot to learn. No, there's literally a lot to learn about that. So you need to, of course, do your research and, and everything. You need to come in with a lot of questions. You need a lot of questions. There's, once you learn more about insurance, you need an education for yourself on in insurance and reimbursement, how that works from a clinic owner standpoint, then you can better understand and appreciate what they can actually reimburse you in the first place. Also understanding how many patients they, uh, and it also is telling of you once you understand their insurance how the likelihood of how many people you will see in a single hour you will know that before you come in just by doing research and finding out what health insurance they accept what their reimbursement rate what you can ask in it what is your uh, return rate you know what 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 you charge what is the money you actually make so uh, that might be going a little bit for some people, but just just a real quick overview of like there's things you need to understand that can help open up doors for you when you go in for those negotiations. And 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 getting that research done to find that right clinic. When you go in there, the more prepared you are, the better you will understand if the place is for you. I did get interviewed at some amazing places, and I for to work as a dance physical therapist with well, performing arts, and I actually knew pretty quickly uh, at them that they weren't for me and it's not because they weren't bad. And uh, I purposely am not saying the names of the clinics because I thought this is us getting in our own way. I thought, how dare I, how dare I? I'm a new grad. How dare I not want to work there? Who am I to not work at this place? Like, it's ridiculous. But but it's a thing that you go through. So, so the more research you do and you figure out what you need to differentiate between your likes, your wants, your needs. Those are three different things. When you do that for yourself, you are able to go in much more clearly and business-wise and just identify if it's the right place for you i don't know if the good jobs how many actual good jobs are going to be out there for you and what you particularly want i I think we're in a time where we need to think more like entrepreneurs it really is different
1: What about what about as a student looking for like a clinical placement? Uh,
2: as a student looking for a clinic, a clinical placement, you might not get the dance clinical rotation. Guess what? There are a lot of dance PTs out there that never got that dance clinical rotation. There are people who have been working for years and years and years and never got that dance clinical rotation. I legit spoke to somebody uh, on the phone like last week. This was mind blowing, and and she and she had written in the group saying like, "Am I a dance PT?" Like. How do you become a dance PT? I thought that. And I reached out out to her, and and she's been treating for years this, like, ballet company. I forget. I think it was a ballet company. I said, you are one. And she said, oh, I wasn't sure there was, like, a thing. I said, no, you you are one. But that's, I mean, honestly, if I'm going to backtrack here, that's a perfect example of what the dance BT community is, is doing like how it has been existing before and where I'm working mm-hmm. on changing it. Cause I'm just like, ah, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a uh, pretty mind blowing, um, to, to, to hear something like that. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but that, yeah.
1: I mean, ultimately that's, that's kind of why Danielle and I had started this podcast, right. Is we, we feel just like you that, there's not. It, it feels like this stuff isn't as accessible to everyone, and it should be, right? Like we we want other people to understand the unique demands of this population, and even for dancers too. Like being able to, to connect them with different ideas and perspectives of you know medical professionals in the allied health sphere. You know, like what 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 are the takeaways from a dietitian, or a physical therapist, or a chiropractor, or an MD? You know, there's there's so much uh, opportunity for interprofessional connection and just like having these difficult conversations and creating this accessibility that needs to be more than what it is right now so
0: yeah yeah and I agree dancers are so hungry for information you know because they don't have access to it so much of the time yeah and it's sure, true. sure you can attest to that yeah yeah
2: no it's it's very true and it's uh, you know, I had one of my students in this round of the Dance PT program, she said something in one of our, like, late-night conversations, and she was saying, I think it might stem from, because the, there's so many of us who used to be dancers, and that's a competitive world, so that competitive
0: mindset has transitioned over. And I was like, ooh. Ooh. I, Danielle, how do you feel Yeah, I've seen that. Even... You know, graduating so recently, I've seen the competitive nature of the dance PT world, right? We it's all so laughable. We all were <laughs> prima ballerinas and then made this transition. But there are so many dancers out there. Like even if I'm just targeting my little area of Houston, there's only like four or five of us who are doing physical therapy for performers in this huge City, right? And there should be no competition between us. Yes,
2: <laughs> but it, it's so silly. feels Like there
0: is. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like for me, I mean, I'm I'm much more of the because you know, stage is my first thing. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Because you know, I, I went into school thinking I was a failure. So for me, my mind my mindset for my own journey is like, what are you bragging about? We all failed. We all didn't make it as prima Ballerinas. We didn't do it. We all didn't do it. I mean, and I understand everybody has different dreams and everything, but that's my own journey, my own thought process because of what I've been through. So for me to think about, think of it in that way, like, (laughs) that's us, it's like, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, we uh, we got to change the narrative and it all starts within each of us with any listener, anybody. I don't care how many years you, instead of going like, oh, you're a dance PT. How many years have you been working? How many patients do you see? You know, like, um, oh, who do you treat? You, you, you know, like, oh, what, okay, well, let me quiz you. I've had this with some students. Students, you got to stop this. Let me quiz you on this to see how good you are. If you had a patient that X, Y, and Z, what would you do? Oh, my God. I was just like, it should be this attitude. Oh, my God, you love training dancers, too? Me, too. Yeah. Let's hang out. That's it. And then, of course, <laughs> if you feel comfortable to be like, hey, I actually have a patient I'm obsessing about right now. Can I talk to you and brainstorm about that? That's it. Boom. Not that, not that, oh, huh, huh. when did you graduate? Uh, I don't know if I like that perfume you are wearing. Like, come on. That's for donkey-donk. We're on this together, I, guys.
1: And, then, you know, that's the, that's an interesting, um, I guess, challenge, right? Because, and this is a conversation I've had with one of my coworkers before. Like, our mentality very much is, you know, yeah, there's multiple clinics in our city, but... As much as we're we are technically a competition with each other for business and referrals and all that, we're also like our goal is to see people help. So we shouldn't be that obsessed about like oh well we do this better. Or, you you know, like there sh- it should be a community and we should all be trying to help provide more access and accessibility. Exactly. To there's so
2: when there's one stone being under overturned, there's so many more stones. If we if all the patients. Take this person. If all the patients who needed physical therapy suddenly went, "I'm going now," we couldn't handle it. Right. We need more of us. That's what like we need more of us. That's what we're. I mean, if we truly were successful at educating people on what we do and how we can help them, and they were like, "Oh my God, PT, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in," we would be we would be overwhelmed. We would be yeah. overwhelmed. So yeah. th- there's competition doesn't exist. If somebody else is working with a Broadway company or a regional theater, that's great, go look elsewhere. There's another dance studio, there's another this. Don't just keep tapping at the same place. They're good, they have access. Look elsewhere, you know?
1: And maybe even to some extent reframe that, you know, like, yeah, there there may be someone that's in a a particular spot, but it doesn't just because you can't work for that particular company or you know that market may be a little bit saturated, it doesn't mean that you can't use that as a learning opportunity. You know, like make connections with that PT or that rehab professional, learn from them, figure out what their oh, yeah. unique skill set may be, make connections. Because, I mean, one of the most amazing things as much as social media can be like a pain in the butt sometimes one of the really cool things is having access to groups like dance pt and being able to to connect with people and bounce ideas off of each other yeah plus as that. much as we we don't want competition like having more people in this realm only gets us better yeah. you know the yeah. more information that's out there the more that we're bouncing off of each other the better as a whole we're going to be
2: yeah that's true I, I, I could not agree more with that. I could not agree more. And there's just so many places that just don't have that access. They right. don't have that access yet. And, and it may be, here's the thought, you know, that I talk to my students about. You can be in the middle of nowhere, there's only one dance studio, and you are treating the dancers from that dance studio and then a lot of other people in the community. Does that make you a dance PT? A hundred percent, yes. And also, you are helping with access. You don't need to go to a place where it's saturated. That one dance studio in the middle of nowhere would have nothing if they didn't have you. So the more we can go to these smaller places and spread out, the better. Also, for a place like New York, I started my practice here in New York. It's extremely saturated with PTs. Guess what? There's still a ton of performers who are not seeing physical therapists. A ton. So many. I can't even handle all of them. I can't keep up with them. It's it's overwhelming the opportunity to help people in New York. Even if it's a saturated place, Like there's still so much opportunity. Because one person from the next two, people will identify with one, but they'll go, hmm, nope, doesn't work for me, and move on to the next. So it really just depends. You know? And...
1: And that's so that's one thing I know that I struggled with as a like a young clinician. I still struggle with sometimes is that idea of like, well, what if people don't like me or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this person doesn't like me. They're going to go see somebody else. Who cares? You know what? They may fit and click better with that person. And if that's going to help them get better, go for it. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I definitely get that. I definitely get that.
1: So we, we've kind of, like, touched on this a little bit, but could you, could you maybe speak a little bit more as to the course that you offer?
2: It's an eight-week program for performing. People want to work with dancers. It specifically focuses on ballet because ballet is what I grew up doing. Mm-hmm. I went to many summer ballet programs. That was just was my life before going into musical theater, and I got into musical theater because of my injuries that I had from ballet and the PT honestly was not as accessible for me growing up in the 80s and 90s as it is now. We're not the the performing arts specialists. It was very few and far between. I didn't even know that was a thing. So with this, it's an eight-week program. It teaches you, uh, so I learned, I put together this program based on what people were asking for. So every week you are getting a group call, and every week there is a module. One module I give you two weeks to do because it just takes more time. And, and it's eight weeks total. The first the first one goes into personal development. Then I go into ballet steps and I teach all of them. All of them. Not for you to be off book, but the idea is if we're talking about full function, all of them. And I have hired a dancer to demonstrate them because. <laughs> I'm
0: good. I don't need to
2: demonstrate them. And then, and then I go into technique and this is key for somebody like you, Jacob, where you, it's, I'm showing you the, I, I am teaching you the, I, I go through every single step, every single step that I just taught you. We're going through there and going through the technique for all of them. So that way, That's you great. know what to look for, because if you don't have, you don't have that developed, I will give it to you there. This is what I'm talking about, the education point. It's like, and then the next module is going into common injuries, screening, plan of care, uh, all, all that stuff. It goes into all all that goody stuff. But that is your aha moment, I have found, for all my students. Because once they go into the technique, even if they have the dance background, they're like, wait. And then they go there. That's when they finally put together their PT brain with their dance Brain and it's really cool. It's really cool to see people go, oh my gosh, wait a second, (laughs) and then I go into the the next uh, module five, which is point shoes, point shoe screening, rehab, um, injury prevention. Then module six is the dancer lifestyle, comparing the professional versus pre-professional. Also going into um, resources, getting references. So, if you like, you guys are mentioning, if I the assignment for that week is, and that's what they're in right now, the assignment for this week is them to go in their area and get a nutritionist. Get even a chiropractor, an orthopedic surgeon, have the list, the, e- the contact information, boom. So when they are stuck, they have people that they have found and can refer to, or you can even work on getting to know to make sure that they're good referrals for their patients so they can keep that lineage. And then the new module is module seven, which is going into business and marketing because we need that now more than ever. The group calls are going into, they go into a lot of business stuff. I do teach them the history of dance. So that way when you are talking with the dancers, you can speak their language and use examples of famous dancers to help motivate them. Then I go into sales, how to have the sales conversations, negotiations, insurance, as you know, therapeutic exercises. We dive deeper into personal development right at the beginning to block, get rid of that so that way you're not getting in your way as we grow. And I forget what the other group calls are on. But that is the course. It really is for you to leave and go, I can treat dancers. 100%. It is, of course, course, assuming you are doing clinical rotations as a student, but it does not matter the clinical rotation because guess what? There's not enough dance clinical rotations to go around, you know? So, and that's okay. That's okay. That's the state of what we have. And uh, honestly, I don't, I, I don't know what, what's going to exist after this guys. Ah! I know. I'm nervous for that. I'm
0: really nervous okay. for the whole this, community.
2: Exactly. And that's, that, that has motivated me to, to keep pushing with this to keep offering this to people because it's just so it's so needed. It's so needed. Uh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the added thing that I, I with this because of what's going on. Oh, it's a big undertaking. But every single student who does the programs for this dance PT program 2.0, we create an online wellness program. They each get their own. It's not through my own platform. It is going to be on their own platform. They are not paying any extra money for it, and it's for them to sell. An eight-week program. So in case they struggle with getting the job, they have something right away to sell, even if they are not PLLC or LLC to be their own practice, they can do a wellness program legally. And so that would be a way to continue helping patients. It's also a great thing to have to provide access to those who cannot afford physical therapy and need something, even if it's generalizing. So that is something that each of them create and have as a finished package to make an income because we need need solutions, not, not gray zones.
0: Yeah. Jenna, I'm sure you've seen everyone on Instagram doing all of these, you know, lectures and therapeutic exercises. And I think it's great that more of us are getting involved in social media due to this Corona craziness. You know, it's good.
2: It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I I spoke with a practitioner who was criticizing it. It's so funny when somebody believes in something so much, so you listen to them, and then you go, that's such a good opinion. And you you say, it's so good to hear what you think. I I completely disagree. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Like... And that's okay. It's okay to disagree with someone. I I think it's actually magnificent as well. I love seeing um, people taking those leaps for themselves as practitioners, helping out more people. I think it's wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
1: Jenna, you are amazing. I just want to tell you that. And I really also want to thank you for, for advocating for, you know, like, making dance more accessible to a lot of people. Um, I think that's awesome. And we're so pumped to have you on this podcast, to kind of talk about that stuff. I do want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Love it. All right. So I'm going to have a hard one. one. Danielle will probably have one. Now we, this, this one will probably be kind of easy because you've touched on this a little bit, but how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure of yours?
2: Yes. Yes! My favorite, uh, so uh, failure is my middle name, dude. I mean, as a performer, you you fail all the time, going in and auditioning, and you keep going for it, and 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 so when all those failures, all those little mini failures in my life, prepared me for physical therapy. I swear, it's like absolutely incredible. I, I mean, I did less jo- less job interviews and everything. I still I still get failures all the time applying for APTA jobs, and I'm like, yes, good, another failure because the more I fail, the closer I'm going to get to that. Yes. So for me, and I know it's a numbers game, especially because I'm such like a different human being altogether. But my favorite failure... Was definitely in physical therapy school, and that's failing with the teachers ever trusting me. And that's because of my personality. And they always were just didn't trust me to, you know, be able to adapt to different humans that I work with. And with that, it, they made me really learn how important it is to advocate for every single person, personality, and human out there because we all are different humans. We're not one cloth, even though unfortunately there's this lineage in in a lot of areas where you have to act and do exactly like the same other person and we're just not robots i think the word penis is funny i think farting is funny i think burping is funny Uh, like so if i'm with the patient and they fart we're gonna laugh you know so like that's it and so i I mean the end. Uh, so my failure, failing for them to ever trust me, helped me learn how important it is to advocate for all personalities and how per- important it is for me to keep being myself in order to be happy and continue to give permission for others to do the same. So, yeah.
1: I, I want you to know that I think the word penis is funny too. And when I, <laughs> when I was taking – when we were doing <laughs> – uh, uh, when we were doing doing anatomy class, it was like me and a couple of my friends. We would sit in the back and just like crack up because we were basically like third graders.
2: Oh uh, yeah! Really oh yeah! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was pretty good. I was pretty good. There was, uh, but but not not the best when it came to the genitalia for sure. Like definitely like I need to walk away because we need to be respectful. And um, I I was I definitely hundred percent fully guilty on not being the best about that because. You know what? It's fine. It's fine to be a child. It's fine to be a child.
0: (laughs) It is. One more, Jenna. Okay. Go for it. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I'm sure you'll have a good answer for this.
2: Okay, it's not unusual. My first thought was how much I love bi water. Like, I love it. My patients know this. I had a patient who came to a gay <laughs> night that I threw, and she she brought me, like, a bunch of bi, which proceeded to disappear real fast. This, by the way, for anybody wondering, this, this podcast is not brought to you by bi.
0: Not But prompted. I love it. the,
2: the, the well, we will take sponsorship, though.
0: Amazing. We will
1: take sponsorship.
2: <laughs> I, I, I guess I would say um, a habit... A a, a weird one that I do around my husband, because I do love to speak baby voice very much. Love it, love it, love it. And I, I have to balance it out for my husband to not drive him nuts. But lately, and during coronavirus, you know, if he's getting annoyed, I'm like, but Ryan. I go, I'm cute. And then I put my hands underneath my chin like this, and I pose. So he can't be mad at me. It's weird. It's not anything amazing. But that's it. I don't know. Or Oh, Yeah. If I fart um, with my husband, I tell him that that's actually thunder and lightning outside and it's about to storm. It's me. He's telling I'm year old brother. Because I'm, I'm a lady. I'm a delicate flower.
1: All right. Jenna, you are amazing, as I've said before. And we can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the podcast with us. If thank anyone you. wants wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
2: Facebook Messenger is good. I like Facebook Messenger the best, I, 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 honestly. So on Jenna Cantor, on Facebook, just message me on there. I love that. Because then I could do a voice message or, or message back and forth, and then if we start to feel comfortable, I beg you to get on the phone with me. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how I, that's how it rolls. Um, it, uh, Email is just so impersonal. If you need to email me, you can. It's just so impersonal. Uh, Jenna F. Cantor at yahoo.com. K-A-N-T-O-R at yahoo.com. And then my website is uh, jennacantorpt.com. And my performer website is jennycantor.com. So many things. That's great. And if you want to look specifically at what I do with musical theater people on Instagram, I'm musicaltheaterdoc. On and then I have another account. Oh, I have another group. I have another group on Facebook. It's music NYC musical theater performers, where we do biweekly musical theater readings and then a weekly cabaret which is great for the community. And if you're somebody who used to be a performer, you want to like just do something even during COVID, like pop on in put your name down to perform and and you'll get in. It's a lot of fun.
1: Wow. You are all over the socials.
2: All of them. <laughs> well, definitely right. not on TikTok. That's addicting, man. Ooh, so good. Ooh,
1: yeah. I have- <laughs> I have not, despite the uh, the several attempts that Danielle has made to get me to learn dances during this quarantine.
0: I'm trying I, so hard. <laughs> I,
1: I have not yet gone into the realm of TikTok, but oh maybe God. soon. That's okay. We'll see. I have a tutu now. That's, we, Ooh, we're
2: there. Yes. We're oh, yes. Oh my God. But That'd be amazing. I can already see an intro video with a tutu. That would make me so happy.
1: There, there <laughs> is one, on one YouTube. There's one on YouTube. Yes. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll make sure that you have that. Yes, please.
2: <laughs> yes, that'll be amazing. I love it. Thank Danielle. you so much for having me, you guys. Uh, I'm I'm really humbled, and especially on a day when I like what I was experiencing before I'm feeling so shitty. Honestly, you as a dance BT community have really just cheered me up, and I just I'm really grateful for you. We all have our down days, and you, just you even feeding into any level of confidence in my direction is is just really kind. So thank you. No,
1: oh, thank you for well, we being. We
0: love over. you. Yeah, love you right we back. We appreciate you so much. Yeah.
1: Now, Danielle, you're the nice PT, right? How do people get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so on Instagram, it is Danielle, a underscore, DPT. So it looks like Danielle, a nice, underscore, DPT.
1: But she is, she's a nice PT. So I, <laughs> she's <laughs> never, never going to hear the end of that. Um, <laughs> and then if you guys need to get in touch with me, I am TMD, underscore, the movement docs. Um, and Jenna, thanks again for coming on the show with us. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, or a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please shoot us an email at D B a L at gmail.com. Once again, guys, don't break a leg.